Good afternoon, America. Welcome to another special edition of the Sea Report coming to you live on Friday, April 30th. What is this? The last day of April? Ooh, boy. April sure did move by fast, didn't it, y'all? Anyways, I'd like to thank you all for joining us today. We're coming to you live off the Foxhole app, Twitch, Twitter, some other nether regions of the internet, as well as live on Spreaker on the podcast side. So I hope you guys are in for a great show today. Now, uh, today we'll, we will be conducting part two of our special live interview with the Legsit USA candidates, otherwise known as the Legsit Strike Force who are running in the San Antonio city elections, and we're most definitely happy to have them. Now, if you guys uh, tuned in yesterday, you had a chance to meet um, four, three other three other candidates who are running for legs at USA and the strike force um, in the San Antonio city elections for, I believe it was uh, district four, uh, district, uh, district number six, and also for uh, board of trustees in district number five. We had a great conversation. We got a chance to get to know who these candidates are and also to give a spotlight um, on those who are representing uh, the legs uh, movement, which is the Latino exit from the Democrat or Democrat kind of thought process. Now, just as a quick uh, reminder about who they are and what they do, you can find out more information at legsitmovement.org. That is Legsit, the Latino Awakening. Um, it's a grassroots movement created in November of 2018 and officially established in Texas in July of 2019. Legsit USA's mission is to help Latinos exit the liberal left and embrace conservative and conservative conservatism and conservative values. Um, our values are most important goal to defend our conservative values for God, for family, and for country in that same order. Lexic USA is focused on building an outreach effort in communities across America to share our story and provide focused messaging to the Latino community. Our core purpose lies on educating Hispanics across the United States, and we welcome all of our non-Latino conservative allies to stand with us as we Legsit USA. So very well said. And with that said, I'm going to go ahead and bring the candidates on because we've got a lot of questions today, I'm sure. Oh, yes. And it looks like we'll, we'll be having a full house today. So let's go ahead and get it underway. All right. Let's, whoops. Okay. Here. And and all right good afternoon ladies and gentlemen how are y'all doing today <laughs> hello howdy excellent all right so this good is our panel michael thank you for having us here absolutely and yes and thank you for joining us again ma'am <laughs> All right, so let's see here. Um, we have uh, we have a full panel today, and what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and uh, start with some brief introductions. I saw that Denise dropped out real quick, so um, I'll wait for it to come on, pop back in. But if you wouldn't mind, gentlemen, um, introducing yourself, we'll start with you, Cesadio, and then we'll just uh, go down and to the left, right, or to the right. My left, your right. <laughs> Excellent. 
if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, what, what district you're running for, what office. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you again for having us on here for this platform. Good evening, my name is Cesario Garcia. I'm from San Antonio, Texas. I've been here since 1996. Uh, by way of the, the United, my father retired here uh, in 2003, but we've been living here for 24 years. Uh, military brat, lived all over the world as a kid, uh, cultured in a couple different countries growing up from age five to 13. Uh, Turkey, Germany, Spain, uh, learned my second language in Spain, um, the Castellano Spanish. Uh, very fortunate to have a, a lot of people that, that, um, that helped me, that nurtured me when it came to growing up uh, in the Dodge system. Uh, I, I really enjoyed kind of growing up over there because the fact that I got to embrace a lot of different cultures and we were taught uh, at host nation uh, in Germany and in Spain uh, to, to, you know, a little bit about how the countries run and how the different cultural, uh, uh, the cultural affairs are handled. And when it comes to history, a little bit of a history and a little bit of a, the kind of the different foods and stuff. Um, living in San Antonio, though, uh, for the past, like I said, 24 years uh, has been such a, a very humbling experience but it's also been a very fruitful one i my only the only big thing that i've done well i've done a couple of work on video productions what i do but i have worked on miss congeniality back in 2000 um <laughs> was able to work here in san antonio and then go to austin at ask concert hall for the very end of the movie um and got to meet a lot of exciting people uh, while i was in the process i helped a gentleman this is a little story real quick i helped a gentleman in his senior his uh, thesis for his master's in columbia and so basically he uh, brought me in uh, a couple months later and said, hey, would you like to work on a feature film? I'm like, sure. So my uh, claim to, to, I guess, not really fame, just to, to learn a learning process, which I still am, I still am a student of filmmaking, um, is to, was to work on that, that project. And I've had my own company for the past, uh, let's see, we're 2003 to now. So about 18 years I've had my little video production company. And I figured I've been in politics a little bit after that, after I got into my own little business and uh, worked AV as well, but I did uh, worked, in, worked in politics from 2009 to uh, 2009 till just recently, I think 2017 to 18, I think the last two uh, city cycles for a gentleman that lives in my neighborhood actually. And uh, I figured I'm gonna throw my hat into the arena. Uh, officially I did that and I was like, okay, let's let's see what we can do with this where we're no longer uh, campaign manager for a congressional candidate. We are no longer a, uh, a block walker. We are or researcher. We're the candidate. So sticking mm -hmm. myself and infusing myself into that uh, format was uh, almost like running a feature film, uh, a little short micro budget film, because there's a lot of different processes that one can carry on when it comes to working and meeting people and actually uh, pressing the flesh with individuals that you want to meet, shaking hands, talking to people. So uh, I basically became, uh, just, I just jumped in headfirst pretty much. I've known Patrick Von Dolan there for a while, uh, and he, he's been a mentor. And also to Denise Gutierrez-Homer, been a, a very, like a big sister and a mentor as well. And uh, of course, Andrew Vicencio has been just a, a, a cheerleader and, a, and also he, he taught me a lot on how to approach things a little bit when it comes to, to certain rules of engagement, ROEs, military brats, sorry, a little acronym there. But um, that's basically it. I mean, love the city. So it's, it was, it's, we need a change. And we have four people here that have a uh, very humble uh, background that have, you know, we have a uh, very conservative and a very strong uh, faith-based, you know, approach to the way this city should be ran and would like to have a lot more transparency than there is right now. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, and again, you're running for which district, Asadio? City Council District 8. 
Awesome. All right. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, go over to uh, Vicencio. Or Andrew, oh. I'm sorry. I saw your sign. <laughs> well, that's okay, Mike. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, hi, everybody. Um, I'm Andrew Fernandez Vicencio. I'm running for District 2. And uh, I'm a retired Lieutenant Colonel, United States Army. Um, I've got a combat tour in Afghanistan. I was a little bit in Iraq, but uh, Afghanistan was more uh, my war. Uh, that I've been in, and um, I got 22 years. Uh, why am I in this race? Uh, the reason is I'm in this race is because uh, of basically because of the public safety that has deteriorated in the district, as well as some of the uh, uh, basically the incumbent in this race has pretty much either voted for wasteful spending or has had her own under the table deals or has not been there to vote against wasteful spending. Um, there are a, a lot of other plethora of, of issues that the, the district faces, but I'll I'll leave that to you as we run Robin through the um, through the interview and so forth. But um, this is basically and also I guess the central pillar of this uh, city council and mayor's race is the concern that we may uh, have our police force uh, degraded. And that's mm -hmm. another reason why I jumped in the race and so forth. And I mean, we, we, we're having we have an increasing population and I'll get in on the numbers and so forth. As far as, and you know, our police force goes, it's a very small force and we have an increasing population, but we'll get into de more in detail about that, Mike, so. Yes, absolutely. We, we will be having a Prop B question um, in this interview, so most definitely. Now, um, I did express to uh, you all prior to the interview that this is not one of those kind of gotcha type of interviews, but I did want to present a question to you specifically, um, Andrew, at the head of it, only because, it, it, my journalistic integrity, and I have to ask this question for our constituents. Um, when snooping around <laughs> to learn more about the candidates, um, I noticed I noticed a photo on your Facebook um, uh, in support of Ron Nuremberg. So I was kind of wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about that. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I I voted I voted for him in 2017, and I got fooled. The guy came across to me as 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 a moderate independent, and I just got fooled. Uh, it's pretty simple as that. I, I learned a year later. Um, and once he once the nail in the coffin was when he rejected the, uh, the Republican National Convention for having their convention here, which cost the city and small business 120 million. And to me, this is the way I look at it. San Antonio is a tourist city. It should be open to everybody, whether it's the NAACP, the LBGDQ that ha wants to have their convention here. Uh, the, 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 the Democratic National Convention, the city should be open to everybody. And that's where Ron uh, Nuremberg pretty much lost me right there. I mean, a year after he was in, in office, uh, he, he, he already had lost me. And I, I really turned on him really bad. And as, and as a matter of fact, he, he defended me on Facebook. So pretty much that, uh, that's pretty much what happened. Awesome. I really appreciate you answering that question, frankly, um, Mr. Vicencio. And I, I th that says a lot because, you know, it just goes to show that sometimes we are also kind of looking at not just a party, but, you know, the candidate specifically. And um, and sometimes they, they go down that wrong path and maybe we hope for redemption, but most of the times they don't. So I really appreciate that answer, sir. All right. Let's go ahead and go down to uh, Patrick Von Dolan. Welcome to uh, the Sea Report, sir. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Can you hear me OK? Yes, sir. All right, great. Well, just goes to show you that anybody can be duped because Andrew's a, a very smart individual and he wasn't alone in being duped by uh, Ron Nuremberg. He is, uh, he's, but he's not alone. My own incumbent opponent, who's, who's a socialist, has done a good job of fooling people as well. And he'll tell people what they want to hear depending on who he's talking to. So you have a situation where 
in this nonpartisan election uh, on, the, on the municipal level that it confuses a lot of people because there's no Democrat or Republican on the ballot. And so you just don't know any better. And so it's easy for people to get fooled. So I, I thank you for having us on to help educate people on uh, who they are and who our incumbents are, who our opponents are. So I'm Patrick Von Doen, running for City Council District 9. My wife, Happy, and our nine children have lived in the district uh, since 1997. And it's been our great pleasure to do that. I'm, I'm from a little town called Goliad, which is Remember the Alamo, Remember Goliad, the second part of the battle cry of Texas. And so Goliad is inseparably connected to San Antonio. And my wife is from San Antonio. She's Churchill class of 88. And that's how we ended up back here. She wanted to live in San Antonio. And I, I had grown up uh, coming here to see my first cousin who actually went, took my wife to prom their senior year. And then we later met in college. So it uh, uh, makes for a small world. And, and uh, so I we had lots of encounters where we were in the same place at the same time in San Antonio, but never officially met until at Texas A&M University. We're both class in 1992 from there. After meeting there, we got married in 96. And in January 97, we, we moved here to San Antonio and have enjoyed raising our family here. San Antonio is the heart of Texas. And we all know that as the heart goes, so goes the home. In, the, in this case, so the heart goes as far as San Antonio goes, so goes Texas. And so this is a very crucial and important election because our very freedoms and life, life and liberty are at stake right now, tomorrow, Saturday, May 1st. May 1st, you might know, if, you're, if you study history, I'm a history buff, but it is May Day, and that's the promotion of communism. Back in the 1930s and everything, when communism was being promoted uh, as a uh, resource to people, that where government takes over your life and provides for you and does everything for you and you give up your freedoms and liberties, uh, we came to know very quickly that that's not good for the individual and it's certainly not good for prosperity. And so we, we want uh, what's good for the individual, the common good, and for and because that leads to prosperity. And that's all sorts of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are very basic fundamentals. And uh, so my business is I'm a financial planner. We do fee-based fee -based financial planning for our physicians. Anything that involves a dollar, we help our clients with. And so I plan to bring this financial science, this financial planning background to, to city council and be able to help reduce debt. We're a city with a $2.6 billion annual budget. We have $6.4 billion in, in debt, and we have to reduce debt. We cannot take care of core services, our infrastructure, our public safety, if we don't find ways to reduce debt. And most, most, what's most important to most people is that they'll never get a tax break. Not, not of anything of any significance. If we don't find ways to reduce debt and make sure that the city is able to, to refrain from these pet projects that they that they continue to get ourselves in into frivolous lawsuits that continue to cost taxpayers money, like uh, when we violate state and federal immigration laws and the like, we have to get back to basics. We have to get back to business and we have to back to say blue. So getting back to basics means we get away from those pet projects and we get back to focusing on reliable energy, clean water, public safety, back in the blue and get away from pet projects, whether it be crosswalks or uh, hotels or whatever else it might be, uh, mandatory paid sick leave, uh, making sure we avoid uh, ban Chick-fil-A from the San Antonio airport. All these different things that get us in lawsuits. And for those lawsuits, it costs us money. We have to get back to basics. So we have to get back to business. We have to get out of the way of business owners. Business owners need to be able to, to operate and run their businesses based on their conscience rights and be able to open. They know if they're, they know if they're essential or not. 
and we have a government, local government, who is oppressing business owners, telling them whether whether they're essential or not. And we have a situation where uh, in the first five disaster declarations issued by the mayor last year included no exemptions for houses of worship. Houses of worship couldn't be open. You couldn't go to your house of worship, but Planned Parenthood could be open and and, uh, and operate and, and, and do their business. And that's just unconscionable. We have to make sure that people have their, their, their rights and their liberties, including if they want to wear a mask or not. Wear a mask if you want to. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear one. And stop making us feel bad about that. That's part of our liberties. And we have to back S.A. Blue. There's two propositions on the ballot, Proposition A and B. I know we're going to talk about them but because it's part of my platform. I want to address it. But we cannot afford to give city council a blank check and to, to go and spend money on whatever pet projects away from infrastructure, which you can't afford to do that. So go vote against Proposition A. But Proposition B seeks to defund the police by, by disbanding their collective bargaining. We have to protect those who protect and serve us. They have a right to free will association. We need to make sure we uphold those rights. That's why I said very, your very freedoms and liberties and your public safety are very much on the ballot tomorrow, Saturday, May 1st. It's our opportunity to push back against communism, push back against socialism, and change the course and direction of the city of San Antonio so we can have life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness for each and every individual. So for more information, um, City Council District 9 is the, is the central corridor up the 281 corridor from the airport uh, west to Northwest Military and like a piece of pie goes straight up north and that's two and that's district nine 197,000 people strong uh, provide 26 percent of the revenue to the city of san antonio but under under our current incumbent city councilman he's only really, uh only getting about seven percent back when the, when it comes back to dividing up what all the districts get we just want an equal portion we want 10 percent of everything of what everybody else gets and uh, divide it up equally we need equal base budgeting not equity based budgeting and there's a huge difference between uh what a socialist incumbent will do and giving away what was truly to keep District 9 great versus what I'll do as a proven conservative. So thank you very much. VotePatrick.org for more information while you're watching. VotePatrick.org. Thank you. Excellent. Awesome, Patrick. I appreciate that. You did touch on uh, points that we'll definitely be discussing today, and I look forward to hearing uh, what more information you can give us on those topics. Um, now we have uh, Miss Denise, Miss Denise Gutierrez-Homer. Um, so I introduced yourself for you, but if you wouldn't mind... <laughs> Can you hear me? Good afternoon. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Well, good afternoon. And I thank you for taking the time to introduce our candidates to your public and your viewers, because it's so important right now in San Antonio to listen to the, the ideas that we want to bring to our city. Because one thing for sure, as Patrick mentioned, we are definitely hurting financially for a lot of our families. One thing mm -hmm. that we have to understand here in San Antonio, it's a diverse community. Uh, we have people that are young and old, people that retire here. We need to make sure that we keep affordable housing for all of our families and promote the American dream as well. One thing that I understand that we're dealing with right now is that affordable housing is actually lacking for those who want to own their first home here in San Antonio. Uh, those dreams should be allowed and permitted for everybody here in San Antonio. And that's one thing for sure. Uh, running for mayor is something that has brought me uh, the attention of many people here at my office. Um, I have an office here on the south side of San Antonio with my husband and I get to meet a lot of our clients. We are in the service of medical uh, service for our veterinary practice. So we actually have a, a relationship with a lot of our clients. They're from all over San Antonio and their concerns and their, um, their anxieties really regarding what's happening this past year with the pandemic and the struggles of keeping a, a home and their business going because of the, the lack of understanding 
or city government that they can't close down the city. Uh, it was too drastic of, a, of an effort. We know we can be very proactive with our health, but we also have to understand that as adults and responsible for our own families, we can make responsible choices as well. Uh, I'm not for the mask. I know that right now we have quite a few people making their own personal decisions regarding the vaccines. And unfortunately, right now we have some concerns regarding the fact that the government wants to interfere with your personal privacy and actually have a vaccine registration. I feel that it's very, very uh, controversial right now. That's a lack of our freedoms. Mm -hmm. So I am a constitutionalist in many ways regarding what's happening here in San Antonio. Um, as some of our other candidates have mentioned, uh, we need to make sure that we have our Second Amendment rights. We have two props right now, and it's Prop A and Prop B. And I definitely am supporting our police. I will not see our city uh, falter with our responsibilities to our citizens by having a safe community for a strong police. Uh, many of these officers live in our community, have grown within the community, and serve their community. So the diversity within our police force is amazing. It's like, quite beautiful, actually. Um, and for them to be villainized is wrong. It's being villainized not only in the local level with certain um, groups of individuals who put this on the ballot, but as well with our current city council people. Uh, unfortunately, right now we have an opportunity to vote this away, but I don't feel it was necessary in the first place. Uh, one thing that we have to understand that regarding our police safety, it impacts every community member in San Antonio and even the municipalities here that we have. The beauty about San Antonio, we do have different municipalities within our, within our uh, boundaries. So unfortunately, we do have some activists working outside of San Antonio in the mm -hmm. municipalities that are encouraging this type of um, anti-police rhetoric. They have to understand when they choose sides, they're also going to be affected because whatever happens in San Antonio will happen in their front door and in their back door. So we mm -hmm. have to work together. We cannot divide our city anymore because the reality right now is that we need to protect our families and our businesses and our future economic security. If we don't have a safe city, Michael, we're not gonna have people moving to San Antonio. We're not gonna have investors or business people moving to San Antonio. They will not come to an unsafe city. And the people that are living here will leave San Antonio. A lot of professionals will decide to move away and we'll be lacking many services because of that, as well as the increasing taxes that we have. Unfortunately, right now in San Antonio, we are divided in many ways because we do have several school districts here. I live in San Antonio where we have a higher tax rate in San Antonio for our school district in SAISD. And we just voted in a $1.3 billion bond in November. And this is what we're talking about regarding the inequity, regarding our financial responsibility to our constituents. San Antonio right now is actually investing with our tax dollars, providing that school district, my school district, more financial assistance after voting in a $1.3 billion bond with connectivity and infrastructure for their students and their uh, school district. If we're gonna be responsible, we need to make sure that we're going to be providing it to every district. Even though I don't feel that we should be responsible for the school districts, when they actually get their own tax base separate from the city taxes. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at everything in general. I know that you had Jacob yesterday that is running for mm -hmm. one of the school districts. And that's the beauty of our group of individuals running right now. The intensity and the love for our city and getting back to basics and common sense. We need to start with the new city council. We need to make sure our voters are educated. They understand 
the role that they have by voting in people that are going to represent them and their financial welfare, as well as their health welfare. So it's health wealth regarding our campaigns right now. And the security you have, that your vote will count with these selections right now that you see before you with these candidates. So I'm very happy to be a part of this group. Um, I am a businesswoman. I was in the uh, construction business as a subcontractor for over 25 years. I had a short stint as a school teacher. I left that and went into my own business. And now I'm actually quite active in my community with advocating for affordable housing. I was very involved with protecting our Cenotaph and our Texas history here. It took us a couple of years, uh, but we were very successful this past year to make sure that the city did not get their way to try and change Texas history. And by doing that, by changing and moving the Cenotaph and creating their own historical uh, ideas of what they wanted to change regarding what we are as Texas. And unfortunately, right now, we have that happening in city council. They want to change our history. They want to change our city. And they want to divide us even further. And we need to bring them together. We need to bring all of our family members here together. And I think this group of individuals running is doing a wonderful job. So I'm very happy to be a part of this group. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Denise. We appreciate that. Uh, most definitely, I would say on that, like uh, this uh, Texas history issue is something I wasn't even aware of. That's a big deal. Um, so it reminds, reminds me of like the 1618 project or something like that. We don't want to go there, right? Anywho. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into some questions for you guys. Um, uh, first up, what I wanted to do is ask, and uh, I guess we'll go ahead and stay in the same rotation. Uh, um if uh what was it that caused you to exit uh so now some of them for example as i've expressed like i come from an apolitical family so i kind of woke up and figured out who i was later on in life but a lot of us are beholden to that idea that if we're hispanic or if we're in san antonio even like we will be democratic uh or democrats i should say not democratic we're all democratic right but we will be democrats and you know um we will be you know uh, more lenient towards that liberal but now we're seeing uh, especially with an organization like Legs at USA and the, and you all from the Legs at Strike Force, you know, striking out in San Antonio, uh, that there is this conservative wave of Latinos and and even other once considered minorities uh, that are are waking up to the fact that they actually have the same values as what would be traditionally considered conservative. So um, I guess in a nutshell, what I'm asking is, um, what caused you to Legs it and uh, or to become part of that movement, or were you always part of that we'll start with you society um well background wise uh i have to say my parents were both, were both blue dog democrats they were both blue dog democrats they're conservative uh, my mother's the oldest of seven dad's youngest of five um i guess my nutshell answer is just kind of interesting you this is you asked the question is that my mother and father don't know where I came from when it comes to my being a Republican or, you know, being a conservative or an independent conservative. They have no idea. Uh, they, they, I guess, but see back in, back when they were growing up, you know, there were, there was no extreme left or extreme right. They were just, it was right and left was, you know, work together. Uh, I, I remember this old, uh, this, this image of, of Eisenhower and, uh, and Kennedy, you know, they, you know, they, had a seamless transfer of power. You know, there were just, that was a, a, the way it was back then. And um, I guess whenever I voted for my first president, which was uh, Bush senior, um, I really don't, I don't, I, I guess 
Vegas kind of were just, you know, they're fiscally conservative, but, you know, they didn't have that tendency to, to be a liberal, very far left. Um, they just were, you know, they voted for both sides and there eventually I, I voted for straight ticket, I think once or twice, I, I can't remember now, but um, the reason why I'm, I guess, part of Lexit uh, or yes, if I was the reason why I'm part of Lexit or, or that, I guess it was the main, the main question, right? Yeah. Well, like what caused you to Lexit and then, and then also yeah. did they approach you? Did you approach them? How did that work? I, what, it was through Denise. Uh, it was because they, they went ahead and they were going to, they backed Denise up first and foremost. And then uh, I believe, I believe that it was just a, I was approached by them to, you know, that they would like to have me come become part of this little group of, of, uh, of individuals like-minded as myself here. And I, it was a no brainer. I mean, for me, it was, it was, it wasn't something, it was really a, a hemming and hawing kind of thing, but um, my background, basically, like I said, it's, it's just, it would say uh, it's, I'm a, the product of a military brat, a military family. My family has been in the military since, I mean, my great my uncle was born in World War One. We have lineage back to the Mayflower. We have lineage back to some. I, I got to ask my dad and, and, and corner him on this, but I, I think there's some there's some undertones of Zapata in, in there as well on the on the Mexican side. Mm. So I don't know. Uh, I've got to find that out. But uh, they got they approached me and I, I I jumped on board because I I liked what they were saying and I understood what the the principle the the concept was and their principal motive was to, you know, they want to open the minds of individuals that feel that uh, they're no longer represented by that, by the party. And, and I, it, for me, it just was, it was a no brainer because I mean, I vote both sides. I have friends that being here for 24 years, I have friends that are Democrats and are Republicans and are independents that, you know, I vote for the individual that can do the job. I mean, that's just the way I've been since I moved here before that, you know, I was, wasn't far right leaning. I was, I was, a you know, uh, Little to, little closer to center, but I did vote for Bush one. You know, straight ticket on that. Uh, I'm not sure if I voted for Dole the next time or not. I don't remember um, when when Clinton was uh, became president uh, the second time. Um, uh, I guess I, I really had, like I said, just I just it just seemed right. It was a fit, and then of course like to leave these these people who I call friends and family. Patrick, like I said, I've known him forever now, and, and Denise. Uh, like a big sister and, and Vicencio is, is just like a, he's a really good friend. And these people just like, we come together in a collective, in a, in a collective, uh, I guess, message. And we, that's the reason why I'm, I'm happy to be a part of Lexus because of these individuals and we're all like-minded. So long wouldn't answer. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. No worries. We got time as long as y'all do. <laughs> Okay. Uh, let me go ahead and uh, touch uh, Andrew with that same question. Uh, what caused you to exit, and did you leave the Democrat Party, or or were you were you even there to begin with? That that kind of thing. Uh, Mike, I I because I got tired of uh, the the Obama does not care acceptables, and also just basically. I mean, to me, I, I think he, he backstabbed the country, and, and, and that's where I lived in, like, early 2010. I, I just got tired of, of him and the Democratic Party and, and, and all the – it's not – it's nothing personal. Uh, to me, and uh, 
his, his, his just his real friendly approach. And then, of course, uh, getting together with these group of individuals, the uh, seven of us is, is really awesome. We're family now. And uh, it's not lasting friendship and connections. Capitalist and because of the welfare system we have in place, but that's the welfare is not here to be on it for life forever. And and so if we drop and now trying to make it 3070, then that's not going to be healthy for the country. Oh man. Um, I apologize, folks. It is raining in San Antonio right now, so there we go. Andrew, we got you back. Are you? Can you hear us? Yeah. Um. Oh, I I just kept talking. So what 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 part did you hear? Uh, well, we were, we were getting really dodgy audio on our end. I don't know if the rest of y'all were experiencing that, but right now you sound clear. Okay. You want me to start over? You're welcome to. Actually, yes, I would like to hear what you had to say, sir. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I, I think the connectivity here is pretty bad also. And then I've been getting incoming phone calls and getting interrupted also. But I, I didn't get an incoming phone call that time. But I mean, uh, basically, um, I I flipped in 2010 because I got tired of, of Obama does not care skyrocketing deductibles. And basically, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Obama is just a traitor to me. He, he, he turned his back on this country. And um, th those are the main two facets of, uh, uh, well, pretty much of everything else that, that, that made me flip in 2010 to, 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 to go Republican. And as far as a, um, joining Lexit, I, I, like, I like the way that Duke Machado had appro approached me. He's got a very uh, friendly uh, demeanor about himself. And also, uh, I just love the group of people that, that, that I've met in this campaign. And win or lose, I've uh, uh, nurtured and developed a lot of long, lifelong lasting friendships and um, uh, it, it's kind of like family, this, this, this uh, group of Lexit uh, candidates that we have. Excellent. Thank you, Andrew. And yes, the sound was aces. All right. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank God. <laughs> uh, Patrick, if we can have the same question for you now, I noticed you are uh, Von Dolan. So, I mean, we had, we had Irina Rudolph with us, who's uh, a Russian national, um, who's now right. um, an American citizen and running for District 6 here in uh, San Antonio. So tell us a little about, about how you got associated with Legsit and what your story has been with that so far. Well, the funny part of it is that I'm part German, part Irish, and part English. But I've been accused of being Hispanic and because I have nine <laughs> children. And, uh, and, uh, say, and I, I, wear, I wear it proudly. I said, if that's the qualification, I, I'm there. And, uh, uh, but if you go back to uh, my, my birth and my childhood, my dad was a Democrat. He was a Texas Democrat uh, state representative from 71 to 83 and 91 to 93. And so I voted in the Democrat primaries uh, back then growing up to support my dad. And uh, my, my dad was a very conservative man. And the Democrat Party left my dad a long time ago. And when they, when they took uh, the life issue and became um, pro-abortion, 
then he left the that, that party left him officially. He debated Susan Weddington on the House floor in 1971 for eight hours to keep Texas abortion free, and wow. won the debate in the House, lost the debate in the Senate, and mm-hmm. and um and then of course you had 1973 Roe Roe versus Wade decision with the Supreme Court, but uh, the, the Democrat Party has morphed itself into something that's just about progressivism. It's, it's actually just a form going towards communism. And we all watched with great disdain uh, back in when Obama was running for his second term when they literally removed God from the, from the party platform. And, and, um, and they had to, even though the voices were overwhelmingly to remove God from the party platform, they still, oh, we have, we're, we're, it was one to keep, keep God in the platform. And it was really just for show. We know that they have, they have become a godless party. And so that party left people a long time ago. And, and as soon as my dad was out of, was out of um, uh, politics and that, he switched parties. I, and, and I, and I, and I actually uh, been subscribing to the Limbaugh letter for years and, and I uh, was a subscriber, subscribed for him. And so Rush Limbaugh had a great impact on that back back in the early 90s. Um, but my and I my first vote in a presidential election was for Ronald Reagan. And I uh, had a great experience in doing that and, and would, would do that over and over again for Ronald Reagan. So, yes, I'm, I'm part part of the Lexus movement from the standpoint of the party, the Democrat Party left the people a long time ago, especially on life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. It's just become about the growth of government government becoming your new God. And then we'll get to tell you if you comply with our orders, with our ordinances, then we'll give you out a little bit of money so that you can live. That's not a way to live in the United States of America. That's not why people risk life and limb to come here to the United States of America for the American dream. We need to make sure we uphold the American dream, restore it, protect it, promote it. So that people have come here through legal, through legal immigration and that we have an opportunity to help them uh, establish themselves and to have the uh, pursue the American dream themselves as we as we want to as well. We have a government is in the business of oppressing us and trying to do everything it can to remove God from government, to remove our fam, to to undermine family, and so that they can become the support network instead of the family, our community, our our neighborhoods, our our parish, our church life, our church communities, and nonprofit organizations. We have to get back to where. We, as a government, as government, if we're elected, to make sure that these nonprofit organizations, faith-based communities, have an opportunity to help the homeless, to help those people in need. That's not the government's role, and we need to make sure the government's there to help support those organizations. But get out of the way and let charities and nonprofits take care of those people. So the, the so I'm proud to be part of the Lexit movement. Uh, it's been some decades for me uh, ago, in which in which I became uh, Republican, voting in Republican primaries, and unfortunately. Uh, in this case, we don't get to see that because of the nonpartisan election. We have published all there's five candidates in my race and one uh, socialist Democrat and who's uh, run for Congress, run, run for state Senate as Democrats, supported Wendy Davis, abortion Barbie um, in the last election in, in November. And and um, he, he supported it. And there's four Republicans running one one 18 year old person who's not really campaigning after the first candidate forum. Uh, there's another person who's an IT specialist who dropped out after the first candidate forum, called me up and said, Patrick, it's obvious you have the, the great, greatest grasp of all the issues and the best chance of beating the incumbent. I'm going to drop out and endorse you. His name is still in the ballot. His name's Corey Dennington. You can go to his website, CoreyDennington.com, and find where he's done that. 
and then and then another Republican as well. He's never voted in a city council election. So we have somebody who's uh, actually running for an office she's actually never voted for. And so we have to make sure that we, we are looking at people for that we the part of the Lexit movement that are serious and genuine about what they're doing. And each of these people on here are. We have people, but we have people that, that fool go around. They're running for this election. That fool people all the time. They tell them what they want to hear, and and then they'll tell another crowd the same thing because there's not a Democrat or R behind them. So I'm proud to be part of part of the Lexit group, and, uh, and we are very work to be very transparent. We put on our website everything we stand for, and being mm-hmm. life, Second Amendment. We know the Second Amendment protects the First Amendment and our very freedoms, and so we try to be very transparent on our website and everything we do. That people know whether they whether they like us or not, they'll know where we're coming from and what we stand for. And we're happy to do so because conservative values matter. Absolutely, thank you, Patrick, for that. Um, Miss Denise, uh, same question towards you. When did you come to Lexit, or did Lexit come to you? And what has your experience been, ma'am? Well, I'm very happy that Lexit came to me. Um, they were very interested in what was happening in San Antonio. I mean, considering the fact that we are the birthplace of Texas and the heart of Texas is here with our Alamo and what we stood for, the battle continues. And it's even stronger today. I don't think we're ever gonna end up uh, really having to um, stop because we always have outside influences. What a perfect opportunity for any outside influence or progressive movement to say they've taken over the birthplace, such as San Antonio of Texas history. Um, And we have one person right now in city council who's holding the ground and we hope to have our candidates elected into their specific districts to continue that fight and take it over. Uh, we have that history here. I mean, we, we stood our ground. Um, and I have to say that when I became, um, I, I, I didn't become, I was actually born into a Republican family um, because unfortunately um, we have a lot of problems regarding our, our, our own background, regarding our, our being Hispanic or Latinos. We have been duped. Um, we have a lot of Democrats out there that don't know what they stand for. They're just told to vote Democrat, vote for the D, but they don't know exactly what policies or what issues that they're actually voting for. Um, as a Catholic, um, I've met quite a few people and, and being very responsible, I'm very delicate with actually bringing more to light the issues regarding um, certain things that the Democrat Party stand for, including the fact that they are um, for uh, I don't know how to use the word, but for abortion. And when you actually say that, the reaction is, no, no, no es cierto. And I go, yeah, it is. So you have to communicate with them in Spanish. And so one of the beauties of my, my, my campaign is I've actually been educating a lot of these Latinos in Spanish what the Democrat Party do and what they voted for, where we are today because of their extreme leftist and progressive mm-hmm. ideas. Um, I am a first-generation Latina on one side of my family and a second in uh, my paternal side. And we're so much like the other Latinos right now. I am for legal immigration. And because of that, I think that I relate to a lot of people who came here legally uh, through their history and you know, really worked hard to come here through the process that we all have to go through. Um, we do not like the fact that we're actually bending the rules for a lot of other groups um, mm-hmm. and using the government to take advantage of other people because they're trying to influence their future voters in some way. And we know that. We hear that in Spanish, we hear that in the media, and we know that we need to educate the voters because one thing for sure, if they immigrated legally to San Antonio or the United States or to Texas, anywhere in the, in 
in the United States. They came here legally for that same thing, the American mm -hmm. dream. They know what they were leaving behind. And we're now we're actually creating it here. Why would you want government to rule over you? It's we the people that actually mm -hmm. are the government. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. right now, what we heard yesterday with uh, the president's, I don't like to use the word president, but the fact <laughs> that we had a presidential address, um, mm -hmm. it just reemphasized the fact that we have gone so far left that not only is it coming from the federal government, but it's actually happening here in the local government because they told us when and where we can go during this pandemic, who could open, who can close, and we're, mm -hmm. you know, regarding going to our churches, regarding what we can do with our families, um, you know, that's not what we are supposed to be doing to our citizenry. And the fact mm -hmm. that we're there right now, it's actually quite scary that we've moved that fast in a couple of years. Um, oh, yeah. I grew up as a Republican. I voted first for Reagan. Um, I did attend UTSA here. And unfortunately, a lot of my professors were Democrats. And it was very hard for me to be in those classrooms listening to their progressive ideas. But I stuck it and stood there and just finished my courses, graduated, but never faltered in my ideas of who I am as a Republican, as a conservative, and as a Catholic. And um, I'm very proud to say that uh, I think we're influencing a lot of other people right now. A lot of these candidates are reaching out to their communities. I think mm -hmm. they're realizing right now this is a momentum that we can take full advantage of through your platform, but also through Lexit. Because when you start talking to those individuals and you start educating them one by one, that message radiates in their heart because that's our emotions right now. As Latinos, we're very emotional. And when you <laughs> tell them how hard it is to work and what to get yeah. to your family, they don't want to be told you can't do it because it's up to you to make that for your family. It's up for you to protect your family. And those are the yeah. ideals of the American dream. And those are the ideals and policies and Bill of Rights that we have through our Constitution that they came here for. And we have to make sure that we remain safe and actually promote that even more in our local yeah. elections. Excellent. Thank you so much. I think it, you know, it just goes to show all of the points that um, you all have brought up today, as well as um, the group that we had on yesterday from Legsit, display that uh, message that I mean, a lot of people don't really hear or think that they see within a, a, a community like ours, um, um, Latinos or Hispanics uh, who, or, or even Democrats who are actually for legal immigration, you know, and then a lot of people don't understand the difference between that. And I think that's a great thing that y'all can, y'all will have a platform to speak to that as well. Um, Cause we're not gonna have any immigration questions on today's interview, but we are gonna jump into some of the ballot questions. So, um, so we'll, We'll do a real quick on Prop A and Prop B. Um, I'll just read some of the language from what we'll be seeing on the election day ballots for tomorrow. And then uh, just real quick thoughts. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure we know where y'all stand as, uh, as far as these, these propositions go. But uh, just for the viewing public and for your constituents, um, shall the city charter be amended? Oh, this is Prop A, by the way. Uh, shall the city charter be amended to allow the city to issue bonds for permanent public improvements or any other public purpose not prohibited by the text? Texas Constitution of the general laws of the state of Texas to include affordable housing programs in scope and breadth as determined by ordinance of the city council following an election on that matter. Cesario. Well, to the average, well, I'm not going to, I think to the average person, that, that's, that's a, it's confusing as it is. It's the way mm -hmm. it's written to mm -hmm. me. The way, the, the way it even is, uh, 
laid out. I mean, I had to look at it a couple times with my father and, and, and we were like, well, huh? I didn't get it. I, I, I get, it's like, they're just, it's almost like a, it's almost an end around. It is an end around, but it just, it's a direct indirect of what they don't want us to do. They don't want us to, to have a voice. They want us to vote this thing in. So that removes us from the equation. So, I mean, I'm, I just, I don't get that. I, I just, I, I mean, I get it. And it's, it's a, uh, there's a process to, uh, you know, when you see that, when you see that big old stack of, uh, of, uh, the first, uh, what was it? I can't remember what, what the speaker brought out. We got to pass it first before you know what's inside of it. You know, that mentality. Well, this is just a couple of sentences that still are confusing people that have no idea. They even know what even Prop A is even about. And I had to educate quite a few people and, and help them. Like, hey, vote no. Vote against this prop. It's it's a bad deal. <laughs> it's a bottom line. It's a pill we can't swallow, a pill we don't even need to even approach. So um, I just think the way it was written was kind of just it's disingenuous at the way it's the, the, the jardigan is. And um, I think a lot of people are going, well, what the heck does that even mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that kind of got me. It was like, I read it and I went, okay, well, I'm not voting for this because it just doesn't, it seems kind of a wishy-washy from its inception. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I just said, no, I'm not. And, and I think that's why I tell, tell a lot of people whenever they're, when we were, uh, a lot of us, when, we were in front of, I was in front of the library. I go, I said, folks, vote no prop A, vote no prop A. I let the police officers, uh, you know, voice their opinion about prop B. I stayed in my lane and said, vote no for prop A, please keep your tax dollars in your pockets. This is a blank check. And and we, we have an audio now of some, one of the, our, the, one of our Denise's opponents who's for it, which, you know, that in itself just kind of befuddles the mind. But um, yeah, I just yeah. said, it's weird. I just said no. Or this, I, folks, don't vote for it. Please don't. You're throwing away your vote. So that's what. I, that's I just kind of. You can only. You can. Um, you can only let people know in advance on what is in the best interest. But it's up to them to decide how they're gonna where their heart is. I mean, I can. You can let them know what's going on, but they need to know themselves and look at it and and vote. I'd say I, it's not our place to tell people what to do. But it's our place to 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 let them so I, to let them know that it's it's a bad it's just a bad deal. So yeah, to to educate and to inform. Yes, yes, we have to educate them. If not, then then you know, where are we at? So yes, sir. Excellent, uh, Andrew. Same question on Prop A. Oh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, so uh, to me, it, it's like a dictatorship. You're putting the power in the hands of the mayor and the 10 council members only. That's 11 people deciding our tax money, everyone's tax money, how it's going to be handled in future bonds and how it's how items are going to be spent on. And that's just a dictatorship to me. And, uh, uh, and I'm going to default to Denise, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to mention any names, but, uh, the, the, uh, but, <laughs> but, but the incumbent, but the incumbent mayor is secretly in favor of it. He instructed every council member not to answer yes or no on prop A and B. But now some of them are starting to to buckle because they feel that they have some vulnerability in their in in their own respective council race. And um, as far as another candidate for mayor, he's been caught on audio saying that yeah, it would be a great tool. And I'm like, wow, I was shocked that he even said it. And and there are people in his camp that are denying that he said it. And it's like, it's him. It's him on the audio. And it was just r rather shocking 
that he would say that this is another candidate. He's, he's not an incumbent, but I'm not going to mention his name. I'll default to Denise if he wants to, if she wants to mention it. But it was just rather shocking to hear that. I mean, this this is for a battle of control of your tax money and how it's going to be spent. And mm -hmm. the only one that should be in control and the only tool that should be available is to the taxpayer themselves to have the right to vote on any future spending on any type of bond and how those items in that bond is going to be spent. Amen. Mm -hmm. yep. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, Patrick, sir, if you wouldn't mind. Well, I stand against both propositions and uh, Proposition A, I simply say I'm against it and encourage people to go vote against it. There's two parts of it, really. Uh, I'm not against city council having authority to pass bonds. Uh, it's granted by uh, the city constitution, the city charter passed in 1951. that was been amended all these years you know, over these years. Right now, the city charter states that you can pass bonds every five years. And so uh, we had last bond in 2017. The next bonds already planned out for 2022, and the bond after that's already planned out for 2027. We are a growing, a fast-growing city, and so I I can appreciate why city council might want to have the ability to pass bonds more often, more frequently, based on the demands and the needs of the city. Because we need to make sure we maintain our infrastructure. We need to maintain one thing that hadn't been built yet out of the 2017 bond election was the new sub, the new police, police substation in the Stone Oak area in my district, in District 9. And but that's still not built yet. Uh, so there's lots of projects that are just now getting going. Uh, they weren't shovel ready and uh, they, they've uh, d drugged their feet on getting these things done. A lot of times what city council does uh, with city management, I should say, city manager comes and says, we're going to spend six hundred million dollars. Well, the 2017 bond was $850 million, and they come up with the number, and then they then they finally get to where they have an idea of things they want to spend the money on, and the plans aren't all set. Yeah, so it is what Sari was saying, and Nancy Pelosi says we have to pass it before we can find out what is, what's in it, and to some degree. And so the lack of planning and the lack of transparency to the public is what I think turns most people off. Because while they have an idea of what they want to do, and some of it might be good, like the police substation is very much needed in the city of San Antonio. Uh, the, the, the response times in, in Stone Oak are twice to four times as longer than anywhere else in the city of San Antonio because of, because of the way it's uh, constructed and, and the way, way the community is designed. The, so there are times when we need these things, yet... Uh, it's the lack of actually having the projects planned out, know exactly how they're going to spend the money, and there's too much unknown. And so what we see if we change the city charter, the city council, by the way, city council voted to put this on the ballot as a charter amendment. And so they obviously want to have more control over uh, passing bonds faster than every five years. So the, the bond in 2017 was $850, $800 million thereabouts. The one for 2022 planned out is about $640 million. And the one in 2027 is about $580 million, what they've said so far. And uh, so there's lots of things that need to be done. We certainly have infrastructure issues. We're an old city. Um, while, while we were uh, uh, the first mass was celebrated on June 13, 1691, where we got our name, St. Anthony, the feast day of St. Anthony, uh, the city was... was uh, created as a municipality and incorporated as one in 1718. So we're we're 303 years old. So we have some some old infrastructure issues we do have to deal with, no doubt, and some new ones. And that's part of the issue with District Nine is 
we're going to continue being an economic generator for the city of San Antonio and and uh, help this help because when one when one part of the city does great, the other part thrives as well. If we don't take care of the infrastructure in District Nine and we and we uh, don't maintain it, we're not going to continue to be in that economic generator. It's going to impact us. So, as a general, I'm not against the city council having the authority to pass bonds. What I'm against is it no longer this this charter amendment says it doesn't have to be just about infrastructure anymore. That means it can be about pet projects. That means it can be about affordable housing in which the city doesn't have an asset to show. So what you have from a financial perspective is you have a liability over here and you, and you have an asset over here. And so the city of San Diego, I've got a chart. I don't have it in here in me. I've got it in my office. But but where we have we have in, in a situation where our liabilities are increasing at, a, at an astronomical exponential rate and our assets are pretty much level. And so we have to make sure that we, our assets are able to keep up with liabilities or we're going to be insolvent. We're going to be like Detroit. The only thing that keeps us separate from Detroit is a growing population. And so we have to be very careful about what we're passing. And the, whether it's the current city council that's very progressive or conservative, if we had four of us elected and on there, you still have to come back to where you have to ask, what's the, what's the authority of, of the city council? And since that they put something on the ballot, it's very difficult to get people to go vote against it. That's why we're all saying go vote against us and try to be as, as open as we can with people. Go vote against because people are trained to go vote yes on these things. And so if city council has an ability to put more bonds on the ballot for the citizens to approve, they just gonna, it's just it's going to say yes. That's what people are trained to go do. Yeah, well, it's government. We trust them. They're, they want what's best for us. So they go vote yes on these things. That's why these propositions have to be defeated. They have to be vote against it. But the likelihood of them passing is, is pretty good because people are trained to go vote yes. And yeah. so, I'm, again, I'm, I'm for city council having the authority to, to represent the citizens and, and put forward a bond for the, citizen, for the citizens to approve. What I'm not for is we get away from infrastructure. We cannot allow city council to have the ability to go and have pet projects and affordable housing go by the, the homeless hotels, or the or hotel homeless, or what the city of Austin is doing. And we get into um, this this homeless business in which city government has no no business being a part of and affordable housing, putting them where you buy for to put affordable housing into adjacent to established residential neighborhoods. So it's riddled with a problem. It's got a, it's got a, uh, a forked uh, it's got a forked purpose there. One is to increase the number of times that they can actually pass the bonds, which citizens still have to approve them. But the other part is it, they don't have it doesn't have to be about infrastructure anymore. And that gets away from the city charter as it was designed and intended. So that's the problem with it. That's why I'm against it. And I went into a little more depth. Just as a general, I say go vote against it because we need to make sure our bonds stay tied to infrastructure. Because when we issue new debt, we have to have corresponding assets to go along with that. Or our city can become insolvent. And so from a financial perspective, again, bringing this financial science to the city council is going to be so crucial uh, to have to, to be in on council and what I can what I can bring to council. We don't need another attorney. We don't need another lawyer. We need people that are prudent, pragmatic, and make sure that we're looking out for the best of the citizens. Um, and um, Proposition B goes along with that. Well, this Proposition A gives less account, provides for less accountability of city council, and uh, which is which is exactly the opposite of what the proponents of Proposition B are saying that they want more accountability for police. But there's nothing about accountability. In proposition B on police, it's all about their funding and collective bargaining. Yet, city council wants no accountability when it comes to passing bonds, and that's what opens the door for this. So it's a Pandora's box. 
and very, very dangerous. So go vote against Proposition X. Awesome. Thank you, Patrick. We appreciate that. Uh, Ms. Denise, your thoughts on um, Prop A? Well, I won't repeat too much of what everybody else has said because we're on the same page here. And I already mm -hmm. voted against Prop A and Prop B. Now, the reason why um, I'll take on a teacher's uh, hat right now and I'll put it on is the fact that a bond is a loan and we have to pay it back. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that we're not sharing with the constituents. This is not a free ride. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost your family money and your kids. Uh, we're $17.3 billion in debt already. And when you mention that number to people, they've never heard of it. We're second to Houston. And they keep that from the public. If you start looking at the, uh, the books, you start looking at our budget, you realize how much in debt we are right now. And as Patrick mentioned, one of the things that they're using this proposition is the word affordable housing. Mm -hmm. We cannot afford to lose a tax base buying up hotels. We already see that happening right now with certain projects in San Antonio that have been incentivized for affordable housing when it comes to certain apartments in the downtown area. You can have 300 units and maybe 10 is considered affordable housing, but the rest of them and the entire complex gets a tax break of zero taxes being paid into the city, which means the same thing would apply to a hotel. Right now, that hotel that could be in question that we want to buy for affordable housing for our homeless is paying taxes right now with their property. Our employing individuals right now pay a hot tax to our city, pay utilities, pay, pay all the upkeep for running their hotel. Now imagine taking that completely off our tax rolls and now we're responsible to hold up all the responsibilities and financial uh, situations of running a homeless facility as a hotel. Why, in, why be involved in something like that when we can actually just keep the hotel open, let the investor who owns a hotel continue doing the job that they are doing and let us, if we need to go ahead and provide um, a homes and an individual a room, let's pay for that room. It comes out cheaper for us, and we end up getting a hot tax in return. <laughs> but why lose revenue right now? And those are the basic ideas. Look at a big credit card. We I mean, when you're really in debt, you just continue paying on interest, continue paying on interest. And that's what we've been doing in San Antonio. We just keep on getting more and more in debt. And we're $17.3 billion right now, let alone the other debt that we have with your school districts. It's costing you money the first day you move to San Antonio. You are already in debt when you become a San Antonio resident. Or you take your first you know, first breath when you're born in San Antonio. You, you're a baby and you're already in debt. We can't afford that right now. We do have a lack of affordable housing here, but the reality is that we've actually had Two HUD secretaries come out of San Antonio. Mm. Two Democrats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we never repaired anything. We never increased our affordable housing for those individuals. So we have a problem because we actually have an example right now in San Antonio that the progressives can't even fix their own problem. And even if they're in the highest level in the federal government as a HUD secretary, they've made no impact. None whatsoever. So I, as a fiscal conservative, as a businesswoman, need to understand 
that right now our responsibility is to keep people in their, their homes, people employed, and not put people in further debt because the city wants to have pet projects. We saw that with the Frost Bank downtown that we actually purchased for our future office building for our city government. Imagine wow. the fact that our city thought it was a wise investment to buy that building and not do an inspection. We have city departments right now, Michael, that if you, a resident, want to build a home, remodel a home, you've got to get permit after permit, go through inspection after inspection, and our own city government didn't use our own lawyers and our own departments to do a full review of that building, inspect it, and make sure we didn't have any issues. And now we're dealing with the financial cost of abating the property for asbestos. Where's our due diligence right there? So wow. our government now is lacking the fact that we are not responsible for our own upkeep, our own finances, and our own constituents right now. Their well-being. And our infrastructure, with this storm that we just had yesterday, we can mm -hmm. see that we have a lot of problems around San Antonio with a lack of drainage. We have mm -hmm. water still sitting on the curbs and people can't even stand for a bus stop because they're going to get drenched. We mm -hmm. are lacking the basic services right now in San Antonio. And I cannot see us going in any further debt without going through those books. And I would love to be able to have that responsibility for you in San Antonio. And I believe all the other candidates as well want to see what is lacking in their individual district, because we need to make sure that we all are equitable regarding what we need to have for our constituents. Excellent. Thank you so much, Denise, for that answer. Wow. I, mean, I remember that Frost Bank building downtown uh, before they built this new glass one, right? <laughs> so uh, my sister worked there. Um, okay, so let's go on to our next question for today. Um, let's go ahead and get into the COVID-19 topic. Um, of course, there's a lot of, uh, I feel like this would be a good one, particularly for this group, because I feel like there's a uh, another under, a level of understanding behind it. Now, um, just to let you know, we are at the top of the hour. I wanted to thank our viewers for tuning in again to the C-Report and uh, for allowing us to uh, share uh, the candidates for the city elections in San Antonio who are part of the Legsit Strike Force and Legsit USA at uh, legsitmovement.org. Um, now, we typically run for an hour, but we will be running a little late today. Um, if any of y'all are needing to jump off, you're more than welcome to. If you'd like to stay along, I would say we're probably going to go at least another 20 to 30 minutes. Is is that okay, guys? I'm in. I'm in. That's fine. Yes, sir. Okay. Excellent. All right. So um, we'll go ahead and uh, let me let me go and get into you're this. Muted, Patrick. Patrick, you're muted. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I do need to excuse myself to take care of a couple of things. Now, banking. Now I've got to get block walking. I've got a serious contest here that uh, we're we're uh, trying to target a few a few a certain area. Uh, in that case, Patrick, um, let me go ahead and just wrap with you and for your uh, for our audience and also for your constituency. Um, is there any issue uh, that we did not speak on that you'd like to say and anything you'd like to say to your voting district? Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you again for allowing us to be on here and, and to come together to, to help bring a conservative, uh, not only conservative values forward to be represented and to, to be vocalized, but also to let other conservatives know that there are, there are people like us that are willing to stand in the gap, to do what's right and good, and are willing to go to city council to represent you. And we want to do it out of selfless service and, and to do what's right and good for the individual and the common good. And we have to be willing to take the heat 
in order to uh, bring change the course and direction of the city of San Antonio. And, and I'm certainly willing to do that. I know uh, the others on, on here as well are, are in the same boat and want to do the same thing. So there's a couple things that I think are really important to talk about uh, that involve my socialist incumbent and who's endorsed by Bernie Sanders and One Revolution, uh, who is um, tends to tell people what they want to hear, but has voted on certain PED projects like the Paris Climate Accord, like the local new, new Green Deal, which is called the Climate Action Adaptation Plan. These things are a PED project to, to get us to go to, quote, green energy. And we all want clean, reliable energy. But how we go about it is a whole different way. And we have given up a uh, politically incorrect coal power plant that could have powered 80,000 more homes in the February freeze. People are literally freezing to death. We cannot let that go without investigation, without accountability. We have to make sure that the people that were involved in those decisions uh, are held accountable. And if they have to, they have to uh, be let go, they, they get uh, shown the door. Because right now, people froze to death. And while COVID is a serious situation, and uh, just to address it real quick, uh, a lot of the pandemic has been political, and that has been used as a political weapon. It's all been, been weaponized, much like the IRS is being weaponized again under, under Joe Biden right now, as it had been under Obama. And we, because we have been so focused on pet projects and gotten off the rail, we have forgotten to, to risk manage, to do risk management, to make sure that we have the reliable energy we ha we need to to uh, deliver to, to our to the ratepayers and constituents. City CPS Energy serves about 500,000 homes, and if you had that coal power plant was still online, which it should have been online, 80,000 more homes would have. That's almost 20 percent of the of the houses in San Antonio would have had power that didn't have power. That means that Saul's water pumps would have had power and and would have been able to provide water because we were without water as well, and so. That the city failed in its primary core service to deliver clean water and reliable energy because of an idea of political correctness, an idea of this Paris Climate Accord that puts us and restrains our ability to produce. And instead of being uh, ingenuity and, and embracing that, yeah, it's great to have wind and solar and all that. But when you have inches of ice, of snow on top of the solar panels, it doesn't take, it didn't absorb any energy. And that coal power plant was shut down in one year instead of over a 15-year power down because of the Paris Climate Accord and the Climate Action Adaptation Plan, which is the local new Green Deal, which my social government uh, opponent voted for and promoted. And he's very much in line with the, with the new Green Deal. We have to fight back. We have to be willing to be politically incorrect to do what's right and good for the people. And if we're only concerned about political correctness, that, that which is akin to communism, we're not going to be doing what's good for the people. We're going to be doing what's good for government. And we're here to serve the people. And just like on propositions A and B, the city attorney is told, the mayor and city council, don't give your opinion on that because um, it's going on before the voters. You shouldn't be doing that. And plus, we have a, negotiate, a contract being negotiated with police right now. And, I, and if that's the case, then I will. They, they will be pursuing me because I will never not represent the people that I serve. If I ever am in that situation where I don't give the feedback of, to people in propositions A and B or whatever else it might be, and and give my input as a as an elected official representative of the, my constituents, I need to be shown the door, because 
that's when I succumb to where I'm doing what the city wants me to do versus what's good for the constituents. We have people, and I know all these people on here are willing to do what's right for the citizens, the people who are going to elect us, not for city management and not to suit their fancy for what makes them feel comfortable or not. We're here to serve the people. And it's so crucial that we're willing to take a stand take and, and give our input because we know as elected representatives, we'll know what's best and to give uh, not only our personal input, that doesn't, we have our personal input, but we can give the pros and cons. We can give a Ben Franklin list on what you need to consider before you go make a, a vote on Proposition A and B. The city fails every, almost every time to give unbiased, unjaded information to, to educate the voters on. This is what voters need to consider. Pros and cons, you're smart people, go decide for yourself. But no, they always have some backdoor way of supporting are in this case uh, supporting these two propositions and they go this backdoor route so it's not official but they're still supporting it and just like on their legislative agenda they passed is very similar to to voting for proposition b so we have to make sure that we have we work for transparency we have to make sure that we get away from pet projects like the paris climate accord and the new green deal we have to get away from violating the texas constitution not only did my incumbent opponent pass vote for and work for what's called a mandated employer paid sick leave, uh, where you force small businesses to put to implement a paid sick leave benefit program for their employer employees it, it, um, when employers can't afford it. And so people lose their jobs as a result. That's a government mandate. That is socialism. Right here in 2018, August 2018, our city council passed a measure, a socialist measure that violated the Texas Constitution and they just think we should go on and, and not have not have any concerns about that. Yet in the Proposition A, they say specifically we're going to pass bonds as long as they don't violate the Texas Constitution. We have a history. The city council has a history of violating the Texas Constitution. So why should we ever trust them? And that's another reason to go vote against Proposition A. So uh, we, we have we have a history in, uh, with illegal immigration being a sanctuary, an unofficial sanctuary city. December 2017, we had 18 people in the back of 18 wheeler that are found, and the, and the police chief goes down to, to um, uh, and to to infiltrate or to infiltrate this, uh, take over the situation, and then to release these eight, these people into society, and using Catholic charities, using the Baptist Foundation to, to infiltrate to, to disseminate these people into society and, and avoid federal and state immigration laws. We broke mm -hmm. state and federal immigration laws. What did the Texas Attorney General do? He, filed a lawsuit against the city of yeah. San Antonio, the, the city manager, the, uh, the police chief. He's going after the police chief's uh, police uh, officer's um, badge to, to remove it, which I hope it, it probably should be uh, mm -hmm. because he's, he's been willfully, uh, willfully uh, disobedient. And that, yet we get in a situation where taxpayers have to pay for all this. Two point five, over $2.5 million in defense of that case already uh, so far. That, mm -hmm. that keeps us from giving tax breaks to the people. And when we need a property tax rate reduction, a significant one, or we need to, to come down our sales tax, the city can't afford to do so because they continue getting us in frivolous lawsuits, like the lawsuit against the city over the banning of Chick-fil-A from the San Antonio airport. I'm the lead plaintiff in, in that lawsuit, uh, taking the city to task. We, we cannot allow the city to run ramshot and ram things th down our throats that violate our religious liberties, that violate our freedoms, that violate business owner conscience rights. 
whether it's Chick-fil-A or any other business owner, and that also tell us we can't give money, we can't, our philanthropy can't go to Christian organizations like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Salvation Army. We have to stand against that. And while I'm against the, the litigation, the only thing we had to take to take the city to task was for me and, fi- and four other men to file a lawsuit against the city of San Antonio to, to prevent, to restore Chick-fil-A and, and uh, to make sure that every business owner, especially one that has deeply held religious beliefs in the definition, the traditional definition of marriage between a man and a woman is upheld. We cannot allow them to, to run through us like that and tell us and oppress us and, and our liberties, our faith traditions, and at the expense of what they think is politically correct. And so we had to push back on that. So we, But these frivolous lawsuits get us in the situation where we spend millions of dollars on litigation, and the city starts spending a million dollars on litigation and fighting the, the banning of Chick-fil-A in our lawsuit. We're about to come up before the Texas Supreme Court. They delay, The city was successful in delaying that case from coming up before the election because it would be terrible for Mayor Ron Nuremberg. It would be terrible for Manny Palaez in District 8. It would be terrible for Roberta Trevino in District 1 because those are the three in particular that made outrageous comments from official city session in the dais and Manny Palaez, Cesario's opponent, saying, the last thing I want to have happen is the first thing somebody gets off the, air, the airplane is to see the symbol of hate in the San Antonio airport. Well, they're referring to Chick-fil-A as if, as if it's a Christian symbol. Uh, Roberta Trevino made a comment that... Um, this uh, Chick-fil-A does not represent the values of San Antonio and violates the city's non-discrimination ordinance that was passed in September 2013. Yep. Uh, that, that non-discrimination ordinance was one that, that is gives special class protections to people based on their gender orientation and sexual, sexual orientation, gender identity, and, and attacks religious freedom, particularly aimed at Christians. And in this case... We want protections for all individuals. Every human being has the right to have its, uh, their rights protected and upheld, but not special class protections and not at the expense of our religious uh, re- religious freedoms. And so we have a city, a city, co- a city government that's gone rogue, and we have to be willing to stand up to do what's politically incorrect, to do what's right and good for the individual and the common good. And so for more information on me, votepatrick.org, votepatrick.org. Patrick Mondoin, you're proven conservative candidate for City Council District 9. I humbly ask your vote. Thank you very much for your time. Awesome, Patrick. Thank you so much for being with us today on the Sea Report and for hanging out with the rest of the legs at USA candidates. Um, we uh, wish you the best of luck in your election run, and um, we'll be watching. So, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Go get him, Patrick. Go get him, Pat. See you, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, ma'am. Take care. Oops. Go, Patrick. Sorry about that. I accidentally got Denise out. All right. That was exciting. So that was exciting. That was very exciting. Uh, glad to hear from all the candidates we've heard. Now, what we're going to do is um, I actually got uh, about two more questions. Um, we are going to circle back Saki to the Prop B <laughs> because I accidentally skipped over Prop B. So we'll, we'll just go over that real quick and then uh, we'll get to the COVID question. We'll wrap with uh, um, some closing questions for Denise and then the rest of the group. Okay. Uh, thanks guys for hanging out with me and also uh, to all our viewers out there and listeners, uh, so let's go. Let's go back real quick to Prop B um, because uh, to uh, um, Patrick's point about there being a lot of socialist candidates and uh, Democrat socialists. I know several of the um, several of y'all's contenders running in the race against y'all. They do hold those values, and I've heard some of them say things to the effect of, um, "I believe in 
Oh, I would never defund the police, but I believe in police reform, so I'm going to support Prop B. And so it's all in the wording there, you know, and I've, I've heard them say that I've read it on their website. So uh, the language of Prop B, repeal of the adoption of the state law applicable to city of San Antonio police officers that establishes collective bargaining. If a majority of the affected employees favor representation by an employees association, preserves the prohibition against strikes and lockouts and provides penalties for strikes and lockouts. Uh, so if we can start with you, Cesario, on Prop B. Uh, I know we're all against it here, <laughs> but but if you can explain a little bit about that and then um, and also why you take that stance. Well, the first thing I would say is that, you know, it's just it's like I said, it's it's kabuki theater. There's a lot of jardigan in there that people don't really know. Um, the, 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 the left is pushing uh, the, the extreme left is pushing that it's, it's uh, about police accountability, that they, they keep invoking the the. Uh, the uh, police chief's, you know, name that he wants to, it was about firing bad cops and, and supporting the good cops. But like I said, it's a smokescreen. And, and I think the biggest thing everyone needs to understand, folks out there that are watching, is that you're looking at an individual here that, like I said, I'm a military brat. And I, I had, I befriended a lot of the security police that were in the military. And then a lot of those gentlemen come back stateside and actually become police officers. I met quite a few in my district who are now police officers who were in the, you know, in either Air Force or, or Army or Marines. And it's just the way it's worded is just completely disingenuous. And I think that that's one of the things that, you know, and our mayor was caught fist bumping with one of the prime activists of of uh, of this proposition, Proposition B. Um, and I think that it's just it. It not only does it; it's a defeatist attitude. It, it just kind of gives mixed mixed signals, and it, it's you know, at a time we're very polarized right now as it is as a society, and I think it's the fault of the leadership from top to bottom. You know, it rolls downhill, but it's going to go rolling up pretty soon. Um, I think the individuals that that uh, that that are out there advocating for it need to. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to you know minimize their value as individuals, but. You know, that really is just it's disingenuous. And I think that anyone who talks that's it's about, you know, uh, police accountability, it, it's well, we're accountable, too. But so are they. But you don't go ahead and try to rewrite something to, to Im impede the progress of them trying to actually be, be police officers. You know, I, my little statistic that I'll give my little number is that if we had 10 percent of New York's uh, police force, you know, their population is eight million. They have like thirty six thousand police officers. We get 10 percent of that. We, you know, 3,600, that's what we, that's what we are, you know, I was in agreement with a couple of police officers. That's what we should have is 3,600 police officers patrolling our city. I mean, we have less than, we have 2,400, a little bit less than 2,400. Um, and in a, in a given day, I thought I saw a little graph that said there's like 20,000 calls a day. And there's like a hundred some odd, 150, 100 some odd, I think that patrol the nights, the whole city. I mean, stem to stern, the whole city. And I think that's right now, I mean, for all of you out there that are, that are watching, that, you know, I, I empower you and implore you to, to vote against it. But um, personally, I've, I've, I've already voted and I voted against it. And I voted for both against both, both props. But I think it's up to us now. You know, it's, it's, it's our due diligence. It's we have to, you know, we have the power of the vote. We have the power of the veto. We have that power that needs to um, go hand in hand with like, you know, enough is enough. We didn't start the fight, but we're going to finish it. 
Mm-hmm. And, and Denise will, will, will piggyback on that because mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, we just have individuals that just don't get it. I mean, not people. I'm talking about people that are in power right now are our, our, our councilmen, you know, and I'm not going to go off on a tangent with the Chick-fil-A thing. But, you know, my my direct opponent is is a flip flop, period, and comes out during the the uh, when it comes to election time. Look what I've done. You know, that 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 woohoo moment. It's like, well. That's earmarked stuff that's been already earmarked, and you're you're parading it around like it's something you did. It's been such a magnanimous thing, and to me, it's just we need to quit fooling people because people are going to get hurt. Bottom line, and police officers are going to quit and retire, and we're going to have a lot of issues that we don't need, and that's just that's just basically it. So I would ask everybody, I implore everybody to vote no on Prop B. And just kind of remember that this is this is our future and our protection of our city for us and for your children's children and for whatnot. I mean, that's just the biggest thing right now is that's in my humble opinion, is that we need to stand our ground, you know, and, and, and I would say so I have one little tangent. We need to we need to not have critical race theory in our schools. You know, that's one of the biggest things also. I've I've been I've learned a little bit about it and learned dove in it some more and I've learned a lot about it now. And so there's a lot of things out there that are kind of just distractions and prop B needs to be not a distraction needs to be at the forefront of the argument to vote it down and vote against it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sadio. Andrew, same question in regards to uh, prop B. Uh, Well, uh, first I want to apologize. There there was a minor emergency that I had to, I, I had to answer the phone and, my mother is okay, but I mean, I got to go check on her. So I'm gonna, I got to break away here pretty soon. But um, I have voted no. I, I have voted no on both props A and B. And um, my concern is is the, the the it seems the liberal media here, especially locally, is massaging the fact that the, uh, they're going off the George Floyd incident, and then they they go off on the one police officer that fed feces to a homeless guy. I mean, we're talking one to two percent of police officers that are not very good. And oh, by the way, let me caveat off that. That police officer that fed the feces to the homeless guy was never rehired. So, um, the, but the liberal right. media came out and said, one of the local news outlets said that he, he was rehired. No, there's not. But see, you see where the focus is? There's not even officers, fathers, they're educated. But uh, let's let's flip the coin here. What about criminals? I haven't heard of a good criminal yet. It's zero bad. It's 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 zero good criminals and 100 percent bad criminals. That's what we've forgotten here. I mean, we're always focusing in on the two two percent bad cops. And the media is a very powerful tool. And this is where we are. We are at. And I mean, to me, I don't buy off on the fact that there was 40,000 signatures to put this thing on the ballot. I think that was pretty fraudulent in itself. And as far as my incumbent in my race, she's saying the same thing. Well, I'm still kind of analyzing whether I'm going to vote yes or no on these propositions. Analyzing. The only thing you need to analyze is that you need to vote no on it. Uh, and But I know she's going to vote yes on, on both propositions A and B. And I can guarantee you tomorrow night she is not going to be an incumbent anymore. That much, that much I do know. But it is a concern because, as Cesario alluded to, the calculus here is that we're a growing population of a million and a half people, and we only have 2,380 officers, 600 are eligible to retire. Now, if I have an office, and whether I stay in office two, four years, or whatever the case may be, my lasting legacy that I'd like to leave, and hopefully I can get six votes on the council if I am elected and I get six votes if I put this in the legislation, is to increase the 
police cadet class from 50 to 150 every six months because currently as it stands not all 50 make it they they do what they we do have washouts right now uh the last class i think only produced 30 new police officers and we're a growing population we're never going to catch up if at least if we have 150 cadet class every six months say 25 washout that's at least 125 new officers for that period of that time frame of six months so mike that's pretty much where i stand on on as far as um you know, prop prop B goes as far as the details of it and so forth. And like I said, I I already voted no on both A and B. Mm -hmm. Excellent, thank you, Andrew. Now, um, family does come first, and I'm blessed to still have my mom with us. So um, I would ask now if there's anything that uh, you didn't get to speak about, or like you'd like to share with your constituents in voting for uh, election day. Well, uh, first, uh, you you the. I'd like to share with the constituents that you have to vote no on props A and B. And um, if you want to vote for a mayor that is really going to truly change and not do business as usual, you need to vote for Denise Gutierrez Homer. Uh, she is she is the most yeah. well-balanced candidate out of all the candidates. And oh, by the way, we have a chance to make history here by electing the first Hispanic woman to the to the mayor's post as as well. And as far as me go, I mean. Uh, I have, I'm an imperfect guy and we all are, and it's an imperfect world. We're never going to reach perfection here as far as the liberal, the liberal left wing is trying to attempt and so forth. Or some of them are, have been polluted with this perfection mentality. There is nothing perfect. I, as your councilman, I will do what I can to alleviate a lot of the problems that we have because currently right now, the incumbent has done anything but alleviate the problem, much less she keeps talking about that we have this dream and we, we can dream on. Well, to me, it's been a nightmare the last 710 days. And uh, there, she has not done her due diligence to be just the basic stuff of having a newsletter every three months to inform, hey, what are some of the two or three milestones that have happened during the quarter within the district? And also just to courtesy tell us, hey, Two weeks from now, we're going to have a construction at this respective intersection. None of that has happened. The only thing I've gotten from her is the last two weeks since, oh, by the way, guess guess what, boys and girls? It's an election cycle. So the only thing I've gotten from her is two mail outs saying, reelect me and look at all the things I've done with as far as the virus is concerned and all that. And let me add one more thing is about the virus. Right now, we have the, the illegals that are at Freeman Coliseum. Uh, and the Mexican Army put it best because I used to work with them when I was with the Army North. If you want to help us help you and to maintain some kind of uh, and decrease the flow of illegals into your nation, you have got to keep them near the border. Because once you bring them inside your border and 150 miles inland, do you any good because they're already inside your border. And if the mayor was so concerned about COVID numbers coming on every day on spectrum, look at him and Judge Wolf. Muscles going, oh, look at this. Our, our numbers are down and so forth. Now you have illegals that, that are in Freeman Coliseum. They haven't been vetted. They're already in 150 miles inside our border, and you don't know whether they have the virus or not. So what is the intent here? You want to increase our number of, 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 of virus cases again? It, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that that is a fact. Is there uh, is there anywhere uh, that uh, um, voters can get more information on your campaign? Yes, Mike. Uh, thank you very much for reminding me that. So uh, you can, they can go to andrewforessay.com 
And then I'm also on Facebook. It's Andrew. And then you uh, my last name is spelled V as in Victor, I-C-E-N-C-I-O. And you can get more information there. And my contact information is there as well. My email and my phone number is on there. And you can feel free to text me or even call me and ask questions. And uh, if I don't answer right away, I'll get to you and I'll, I'll be more than happy to answer anybody's questions and concerns. But, Mike, I appreciate you having me. I'm sorry for all the hiccups here and so forth on my end and so forth. And I, I truly apologize to everybody. So. Um, Absolutely. but thank you for having me and, 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 and God bless America. And, and thank you out there in, 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 um, in zoom land for listening in. Awesome. Thank you, Andrew. Um, I have a lot of family and friends in your district. We will be voting for you and supporting your campaign. So, uh, thank you for being I, with us again today on the C report. I, I appreciate it, Mike. And then I, 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 I humbly apologize as well with all the hiccups on my end. So don't you worry about it, sir, but you have a great afternoon. Okay. Y'all do the same. Y'all take care too, Cesario, Denise. Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we're down to the last. <laughs> okay. So um, what I'd like to do now is shift into like some. <laughs> right. It's nice and tropical. I got I got some rain over here where I'm at, y'all. But thank you so much for hanging in there with us. This has been I know this has kind of been a marathon of an interview, um, and a lot of a lot of valuable information and points are going out. I think to the general public and really shaping what this conservative movement is going to look like, um, especially in the micro here in San Antonio, but then moving into the macro out into the the bigger part of the nation. Um, I would like to move into some questions for Denise now, since she's going to be running um, as a for mayor and the city race. Um, so you're ready, Ms. Denise? <laughs> answer about Prop B or not? Oh, you, yes, let's let's start with, I am so sorry. Let's start with Prop <laughs> B. <laughs> I'll go fast, I'll go fast. Definitely like the rest of the, the candidates out here, uh, voting no on Prop B. Uh, definitely have to support our police. And we kind of talked about a lot of details regarding numbers and the fact that we actually have a need for more police here in San Antonio. Um, they love to make a comparison to San Antonio with Austin, our closest neighbor. There is no comparison, Michael. I mean, we're talking about one point, almost 1.6 million people here in San Antonio with over 500 square miles versus Austin with over about 600,000 people with a little over 350 miles. Mm. There's no comparison. We're a growing mm -hmm. city. We have a, a very vast area that we have to cover around some municipalities within our boundaries. And we're actually losing officers already. As of 2020, we lost 97 officers last year. And so far this year, we've already lost 93. So it's increasing where we're gonna have more officers retiring if this actually moves in that direction with moving with Prop B and um, going with this, this rhetoric. Uh, we have to understand that one thing about our police is the fact that it will cost us not only with our security, but the fact that it's gonna cost us financially if we do not have a strong police force in San Antonio. And I will give you an example. If any of your listeners out there have ever had a vehicle stolen and have insurance, you know you're a victim of something that happens twice to you. Your vehicle is stolen and now your insurance increases because you become a victim of crime. I've already done some research, the fact that if we are considered a defunded city, our insurance companies now will actually be looking at our city as a financial risk 
to them, mm -hmm. which means our insurance rates go up for all of our property, even our health insurance. Because if any of you listeners are out there understand when you're applying for health insurance, you actually have to write your zip code. Well, if your zip code lies within the boundaries of San Antonio and it's a defended city, you are now at risk for your health for either a mugging or a crime. This will impact you in so many other ways, not just the fact that you're going to be living in an insecure, unsafe city, but now you're going to end up having to pay more to get insurance if you find an insurance company that will insure you, your home, or even your business. And imagine if a business has to have more of an increase in their rates. That means all of those extra costs will come to their goods and services to you, the consumer. There's so much involved with actually mm -hmm. looking at the numbers and the consequences of going to this extreme. And not just the fact that you have left it for progressive groups saying, well, we have to look at the police. We have to look at the structure. We have to look at all of this. The fact that we're even discussing this, they're not even looking at the reality that the policing situation in San Antonio has a lot to do with the local DA. And if you're well aware of our DA here in San Antonio, there was a controversy that he was funded by the Soros group to oh, get him why Ooh, you're <laughs> So why didn't we have sight and release in San Antonio? Now we're actually having a discussion with the DA that wants to have cashless bail. That means we're going to have an evolving door of criminality happening in San Antonio. So if you're upset right now that one, you can't find police to come to your 911 calls, or two, you can never find the culprit that's stealing your merchandise off your front porch, let alone coming in and burglarizing your property. What do you expect will happen later on if this goes through? We are never going to have consequences for their actions because right now in San Antonio, we are not enforcing the law and we're not enforcing ordinances that we do have. Part of the concerns that we have here in San Antonio is the homeless situation that's increasing in certain districts. And the community that I've actually spoken to is in District 1. We have a city council person in that district right now using their district office, their little substation, for an encampment for the homeless community that's actually mm -hmm. just taken over that district and that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Imagine waking up every morning and finding these individuals sleeping, walking around your neighborhood, barbecuing in your area right against your fence, defecating, doing drugs, prostitution, stealing, and there's actually a business right next door to that facility. They lose approximately $1,400 a day with people walking in there and stealing merchandise off their shelves. Nothing is being done because the city will not enforce the ordinances right now for the homeless community. And we're not saying that homelessness is a crime, but their actions are criminal mm -hmm. when they start doing something in that neighborhood that affects the well-being of those, those neighbors. So we have to look at everything right now in San Antonio, and we have to understand that we do have rules and regulations, we have ordinances, and we have police to serve you. So definitely, we have to understand that we are a growing city, and if we're going to keep our city safe, we also have to have a stronger police force as well. And we're saying that we actually have a very well-educated force as, uh, as officers. They're in their collective bargaining. It's not only for their, their financial security, for their current employment and their benefits, but their retirement. And even 
going back to school if they want to get some extra credits or an extra degree or two to you know give them some latitude with serving the community with maybe having some expertise and education in social services, welfare, um, more government courses, and maybe coming a master's or even a doctorate. And we actually have some of those officers with those degrees on our force because of collective bargaining as well. Mm -hmm. So you can ask well, me another question. That was part B. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. And that's interesting. Us, It's a lot of information that I've, I've learned a lot from just speaking with you all today. And I, I hope that that is a reflection of the way the city will be getting this sequestered information that we don't often get exposure to for whatever reason it is that they are not sharing it with us. Um, but in regards to your uh, mayoral, rate, mayoral race, um, I was wondering if you could give listeners and viewers a sense of what you're running up against and if you would care to share the type of job that the current mayor of San Antonio, Nuremberg, has done. Well, right now we're actually suffering quite a bit because of the fact that we have a mayor that has overreacted uh, to certain policies that he is not actually following like other mayors around the country, but the fact that he's listening and following the, the request of our local judge. The mayor is supposed to serve his constituency, the citizens of San Antonio. He mm -hmm. is not the county judge, but the county judge is forcing the mayor to follow his rules. And if we're gonna follow anybody's rules, it should be state level. We had mandates there that we should have been following that the state gave us to follow for our citizens. The fact that we actually been able to open up to a certain level and we haven't because of the fear or the overabundance abundance of, of um, safety when there's no need for that because we're adults and we know we wanna wear a mask. We know if we wanna go ahead and open up, but we also know that we are responsible for our own well-being and our own family. We know that right now we have had some major impact financially in the negative because the mayor has actually created issues for our business community. And San Antonio mm -hmm. has a large amount of small mom and pop businesses right now. They have shuttered their doors permanently. Mm -hmm. They have not had any help from the city. We have actually had CARES Act monies available to them and they haven't been able to process, process them the way they're supposed to. Um, we've actually kept our doors open for city employees. We've had a job freeze, but that doesn't mean that they haven't employed new people in new departments. So they're contradicting themselves because it's becoming a bigger government in San Antonio, while our public is actually decreasing in its own private ownership of a business. So this is what I'm talking about with the concern that the, the government is getting too large and the citizens are becoming smaller and smaller and smaller for their own well-being. And I think that's one of the things that we have to look at right now with the mayor and the fact that we do have a problem in San Antonio, that we are considered a sanctuary city. We know that right now we have an issue at Freeman Coliseum that we actually have three teenagers that are missing that wasn't made public until this week and they've been missing for over two weeks. Whoa, whoa. The fact that we actually have teenagers that are missing and now that another report came out yesterday that there was some information coming out from the Freeman Coliseum that they are actually releasing some of these teenagers to people that are not their relations in, in some capacity, either a parent or a family member, but now they're concerned that they've actually been trafficked to people that are not related to them. The word oh, trafficking. Mm -hmm. So we're involved in this regarding Senate 
as a sex and human trafficking location, he is responsible for that because he oh. never talks about it. And ignoring it and burying your head in the sand is not, doesn't mean it's not happening here in San Antonio. We need to protect our families. We need to protect our children. During this pandemic, we've had a lot of suicides. We've had a lot of people that have had a lot of emotional stresses because of the mandates set by this mayor that, um, I mean, having house arrest when you're not a criminal, I mean, that's how many people felt during this pandemic. We were in house arrest and children mm. suffer the consequences as well. Domestic abuse and, and child abuse also increased and that falls on the mayor. They wanna say it's the pandemic. No, we have other states that have been doing very well. They've actually increased their G, uh, GDPI. And the fact is that right now we are suffering and yeah. we need to look at that right now. And we need to make sure that we can get back, back up stronger and safer because we do know we have a lot of people that have taken their vaccination by their own choice. But the fact is we got to get up and running. We're getting ready to have our tourist industry look at what's going to happen to their future right now, because this is right at the beginning of our summer vacation. And if we don't recuperate quickly, we've lost it. I don't think we can ever come back. And that's something that we can't afford in San Antonio. Absolutely. And I, I really do. Um, I really do praise you for bringing up the human trafficking issue, because that is an issue that no one seems to want to talk about. Um, and and it, it is a scourge and it is happening here in San Antonio. I mean, everywhere I've been, I've seen that hit and very valid points. Very, very valid points. I'm glad you spoke on those. Let's get to another tough question. Um, this one, a lot of us were passionate about because um, we all experienced it when we had that that freak snowstorm the blow through Texas. And, you know, I live on a protected grid, so I didn't know, I didn't know exactly, I didn't feel what was going on, but I was hearing from my friends and from my family. We were out, we were without water. We had no electricity. We were using ice to use the bathroom, melting ice and all that. So, you know, I was like, man, I had no idea. And, and of course you hear the news reports, but you don't really feel it until you know someone in your life that it's directly impacted. So what can you talk to us about how San Antonio performed formed, specifically from the mayor's office to the city council, uh, the job that they did, because we were all suffering for about a week or more during that time. Society or me? Uh, uh, for you, ma'am. Okay. Uh, definitely, we had failures. Um, and it was a catastrophe. It was a catastrophe for our city government. Uh, failures for them to actually have something in place, an emergency plan. Uh, was something that was very obvious during this time. We, um, during the pandemic, uh, you know, we had alerts. I don't know if you can see my phone. We had alerts coming onto our phone, for those of you who are not in San Antonio, from our mayor, reminding us about the daily count mm. and not to leave home, et cetera, et cetera. So using our phone to, um, to create fear among the constituency of San Antonio was something he took advantage of but he could have taken that, that same alert and reminded us that right now, we're getting ready for a freeze. Take mm -hmm. heed, prepare, make sure you have backup. If you need a generator, if you need water, get your medicines, whatever you needed, be prepared. There was no contact from our city government to those individuals. And I'm talking not between the mayor's office, but we're talking about CPS and SAWS. If you are late with your with your payment, they've got your number. They'll contact you right here and tell you, hey, your bill is owed. 
they could have told us when our lights were going to go out, when our waters were going to go out, because they actually have us on a grid. You mentioned it. Um, mm-hmm. They could tell what zip code we're in. They could have contacted those individuals, those seniors and those families that needed to have um, their their utilities on. I know that in this office that I'm sitting at right now, we have a dialysis center right next to us at the Los Angeles mm-hmm. Health, Health System. Um, and I went over there after the after the storm. They lost three patients because their dialysis machines could not function because they did not have water. We're talking water. And why didn't they have water? Because they didn't have a backup generator and CPS to make sure the water pumps were working. And that's the failure of our, of our city because they were so enamored with Bloomberg coming to San Antonio and saying, we're going to have the Paris Agreement. We're going to have the Green New Deal, that they passed that. And even my other candidate that's running in my party signed that. We're all getting it. I'm we're all getting it. We're all getting it. <laughs> I, guess I didn't plan that. <laughs> wow, that was weird. Someone that must be listening. Like, I was telling you guys, she's right. <laughs> Someone's listening. Um, yeah, God's listening. We, we There's a reminder right there. Um, <laughs> but the fact that we actually had the city government failing to communicate uh, with their citizens, that was number one. Two, that here we are talking about the police and the fact that they were the ones that were still out there sacrificing their safety to work the streets and making people were safe. They were off the roads, but they were driving on the icy roads, even though we didn't have equipment to keep them from, you know, uh, from icing over. We don't have enough equipment in San Antonio. They always talk about the heat, the heat, the heat. Well, guess what? Freak of nature. We have mm-hmm. a freeze. Now, it, not, it's not, it happened before. It happened five years ago. It happened 10 and even 15 years ago. We've had other incidents that why didn't we have an emergency plan? Now, when they closed off the Dealey plant, Michael, they made no uh, no plans for a backup there. There could have been a conversion to a gas plant. Natural gas kept me from freezing in my home. A lot of, a lot of other neighbors in San Antonio have gas in their home, natural gas. That's something that they want to get rid of in San Antonio because it's not clean energy. Well, guess what? That kept a lot of people from freezing. And those are the ideas right now that we have to look at. That if we have Mother Nature and God telling us we got to prepare, and this was something that we have as an example, we cannot go ahead and say fossil fuel is no longer a part of our history or no part of our plan for San Antonio. We Oh, oh, yeah. There's some, I think there's some bad weather going on. I think that's one of the reasons why we got. But here she comes. Here she comes. As she, her, oh. they might be, they might be throttling your internet. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> but that's exactly what we need to think about because the reality mm-hmm. right now is we did not have an emergency plan. We have people that lost their lives, and they're responsible for it. As for CPS, we're in debt with CPS. Their bonds have, have actually plummeted. We're actually going to be in debt very soon because we do not have the um, the bonds that we need to have to keep us going. And that actually is our own company in San Antonio. We need mm-hmm. to diversify. We need to have another uh, another option. And, and, and maybe put all oh, the eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a problem. Sorry. 
I'm, I'm gonna say, I was just going to say, I mean, to catch up, I was just saying maybe get the mayor off of the board of CPS too. That too. And yes. we actually have to have more people that are focused on not just the green energy, but just overall energy itself. You're going to have to have a balance on these boards because we know that right now quite a few of these individuals that are sitting on these boards are promoting green energy. Mm -hmm. They want to have electric vehicles. Well, can you imagine what we were going to try and do and electrify our vehicles when there was a freeze and everything went down? And they, yep. want, to have, they want to have some of our utility uh, vehicles, our fleet for our city be electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's unreasonable to even think that. We have to have a diversified uh, utility situa situation for San Antonio, not just with our companies, but also for our equipment. Because if we need to be able to gas up, we need to be able to do that. Absolutely. Thank you, Denise, for sharing those thoughts. Um, it was a very trying time, and it, it just goes to show where um, bad leadership can take you uh, and the city as well. Okay, um, so we are about to hit two hours, so we're going to wrap. <laughs> we're going to wrap, guys. <laughs> I'm just, thank you so much for, for hanging in there. Uh, I'd just like to ask, and I'll start with Cesario, uh, if there's anything that you'd like to speak of to your constituency in the voting public um, for District 8. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your time, for your ear, and, and not to get on the bully pulpit as much, I will say, please, uh, I need your support. I need your vote to help change for the better this city, for transparency for this city. We have a opportunity right now with seven of us, and Denise, Denise is, is, is like I said, she is the lightning rod with all of Lexit, and we need your help to, to remove and replace these individuals who are not, they're, they're, they're costing lives, they're costing the, the pursuit of happiness, and they're not allowing people to, to, uh, to have an ability to a fighting chance to actually be productive in, in, uh, in, because we all have skin in the game, we all have skin in the game, we we have a, a lot at stake here. You know, we have a, a, a lot that's that needs to be answered for. But these individuals feel that they have they're above uh, the law, and then they're not. Um, these individuals need to answer for their for their uh, for what they've done, and they need to be voted out. As, as your city councilman in District Eight, I will I will open the books up in District Eight, along with uh, Denise and the rest of, and the rest of our, uh, our our group, and we will we will make. We'll, we'll inherit a mess, but we'll make the make right and make good on our on what we need to do to make things better for the city. Now, I mean, it's the biggest thing for me right now is that um, you can. I'm number three in the ballot, Holy Trinity number three on the ballot. There's a and it, the biggest thing for for us now is to get out, vote, vote no on Prop A, vote no on Prop B against both propositions, and hold our city city's elected officials right now accountable and boot them out tomorrow. And so then a new group of people can can go in and, and take over and and uh, do what they want to do when it comes to the citizens' voices. We are your we are at your behest. We're it's not the other way around. We don't they don't work. You work. We work for you, and and that's how it's got to be. We are we are here for you, and it's not the other way around. You know, I will I will listen to everyone that has an issue because it's necessary for us to to. Listen to the constituents and give them their due, their due when it comes to their grievances. So, as of as a for me here, I thank you all for your time. And it's Cesario Garcia. My number is two one zero eight eight seven seven four seven seven. And it's Cesario Garcia spelled out d eight at gmail.com. And um, my website is Cesario Garcia. I don't have this memorized. Sorry, Cesario Garcia d eight dot wix site dot com. 
need your support. If you have any questions, my number's on my website, and uh, I need your support to help change the culture of this city. The attitude is that they need to get out of, they need to be out of politics. And, and the, the change is, needs to be us to, to help uh, move this forward and, and become fiduciary again and be accountable for the actions that we're, that, that we say we're going to do. And what we, we say what we mean, we mean we say, and I've got your back essay. So that's my, that's it. Awesome. Thank you, Cesario. Thank you. And we are definitely, we'll be supporting your campaign, wishing you the best of luck in your efforts. Um, um, Ms. Denise Gutierrez-Homer, um, do you have any closing remarks for the city of San Antonio? I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen and meet quite a few of us today and yesterday. Uh, we're your candidates. Uh, we're your voices. And we want to work for you. That's one thing thing that I think you're going to be uh, understanding when you review all of these candidates is that we actually are small business people. Uh, we've built our own companies or our own businesses in your communities. We understand what it is to be service oriented. I understand and I felt very strongly that we've lost that in our city council. They are not service oriented to you, the voter, uh, to you and your children. Uh, one thing that we have to understand in San Antonio is that we have an opportunity to make some major changes with this campaign. Not only show support for our police, show support for you and your taxes. A lot of you are hurting right now, your property taxes. That's what I'm hearing from calls and emails from people right now. They don't understand why their property taxes have increased so much that some of them are paying more in their monthly taxes than they are in their mortgage now. Um, some of these families cannot even pass their homes over to their children because it will be taxed out of that property. Those are things that we have to address as a city council for you. One thing as a, as a Hispanic woman and as a candidate, this is something that I'm enjoying because they know as women that are listening to me right now, we do so much more than just having children or being teachers, but we take care of our families, we take care of our parents and we take care of our grandkids. But we also have to make sure we can pay the bills and make that yeah. dollar stretch. So Absolutely. if we have to do that in city council as a city government for you, we're going to do that tomorrow as we're elected into those spots for you throughout San Antonio. We are going to make sure your tax dollars are going to get the best results for every one of you out there. We're going to bring business back. We're going to support the small businesses. We're going to support the health industry. One thing that we didn't touch on, Michael, is the fact that we need more medical doctors and personnel in San Antonio. We're growing and we're not bringing those people to San Antonio because they're scared to move here. Because if we lose our police, it's unsafe for their families to make that move to San Antonio. They also have to understand that we need more teachers. We need more professionals and we need to make sure that we're a viable city for all of them to make that choice to move to San Antonio and to keep our children here, their future employees, um, and even entrepreneurs. Y como Latina, estoy muy orgullosa de ser la primera de hacer la campaña para alcalde de San Antonio que habla español. Y con eso, uh, ojalá que podamos hacer historia aquí en San Antonio como la primera Latina que también es de la, del Partido Republicano, de hacer ese cambio aquí en San Antonio y también en la nación, porque San Antonio es uno de los 10 de, de, de ciudades grandes de San Antonio, como es 
que puede tener una persona como yo, como Latina, ser la alcalde de San Antonio. So being the first Hispanic woman to become mayor of a, of a major city, one of the 10 cities um, in the United States, uh, it would be an amazing opportunity for us to make history in that capacity. Um, and I'm proud to be a Hispanic. I'm proud to be a woman. I'm proud to be a mother and grandmother and uh, a part of the city. And I'm Texas born. And that's one thing for sure. The top two candidates right now running for mayor are not even Texas born. But I am, and I'm proud, and I'm very happy to be a part of this campaign. Thank you. Me too. And you can reach awesome. me at um, www.denise4sanantonio.com, and my phone number as well is 210-488-7204. And, yeah, I do answer it. It's right here next to me. And she does. Laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they go, wow, it's actually you. But yeah, uh, I really want to be able to talk to people where I can and let, hear their concerns right now at the city because it is a huge amount of, of square footage for me to cover. But, you know, everybody has their story. Everybody has their concern. And we need to be their voice right now. So I'm very happy to be here and I appreciate awesome. your time to talk to all of us and let us introduce ourselves to your viewers. And please support Lexit. We're going to do amazing things for, for San Antonio and for Texas. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I really do see Lexit and also the strike force here in San Antonio doing some great things for the community here and abroad. So thank you again for your time and um, for all the information that you're able to share with us today. Um, I know you definitely will have our vote uh, uh, for uh, Mayor uh, Denise uh, Gutierrez Homer. And um, I, I really do appreciate being able to speak with both of you as well as the Legsit Strike Force family. It, this has been an amazing experience and I'll be in touch with Duke and I'll probably be in touch with you guys as well. So, Perfect. all right, um, with Thanks. that said, mm -hmm. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap the show again. Now, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if you are viewing today, you can go visit the uh, Legsit, um, uh, movement.org is the website. So you can get some more information on that. Also, check out the candidates that were out here with us today. Um, and if you are in the city of San Antonio, election day is May 1st. Make sure you get yourselves to the polls. You've seen the faces of the candidates for San Antonio, Texas. So please show your support. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with that said, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up on this edition of the Sea Report. We thank you once again for coming on out, and uh, we will see you on Monday at 4 p.m. Central, same station, same time. And also, we will be live Saturday evening for another Q&A Holes edition, um, Q&A Holes Live here on the Foxhole app. You'll have a great evening, and we will see you next time. America great again. Q&A horse. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Q&A horse. You and a horse.